Hey folks, welcome to Atlanta on Fire, a podcast where we'll be talking all things about Atlanta United. Buckle up and welcome aboard. Welcome back to the third episode of ATL on Fire. I'm your host, Mike Dobbs. The fire has been started here in the man cave, and uh, it's a cold and wet night here in Atlanta, but that's not going to stop us from uh, kicking in gear here and uh, starting another podcast. Um, you know, This episode is sponsored by Atlanta Spine Center. In business for 20 years, they will decrease your pain and improve your function. Atlanta Spine Center Chiropractic is located on 1720 Peachtree Street Northeast. Okay, folks, we are bringing a new segment to our podcast. It's called Dobbs's Fireside Rant. We're going to give it a shot. Uh, this week's or this episode's rant is about Darlington Nagby. So let me get this in gear. Okay, here it comes, people. Here it comes. All right. I'm suspect. I saw the headlines today. He's back in camp. He's going down to Costa Rica. He's got his mind right. He's got his mind right. I'm calling BS on all of this. There's something underneath this that's just not right. I'm not buying what they're selling that, oh, he likes it here. He's happy. Those are all headlines. I'm calling BS. Something is up. I believe that, you know, all the talk that, you know, it's a personal problem, like, you know, maybe something that I'm going to look back on and feel like a jerk here. That's not beyond me to be the guy who's not sensitive, but this is not a personal problem unless it's about money, his contract, or he's homesick and he wants to play for his old coach. Those are the facts. That's what's going on. And he's selling it as a personal problem. I don't know. Like, give me something. If it's a personal problem, I want to know why so I can at least be a little bit more backing of it. So, we will see. My whole theory is that he had a talk with the back office and they said, okay, we realize you want to go back to Columbus and play for your old coach, but give us a year. We'll work this out in the Atlanta United way or Atlanta United, you know, way of doing things just stay patient we're gonna figure this out and wait till next year Darlington Nagby is gone but it sucks because I want him here he's under contract he should be here he's in the prime of his career he's an awesome player I want to see him play in Frank DeBoer's system you know he's gonna thrive he played amazing last year he's one of the most important players in our central midfield if he was gone it was gonna be a huge dagger so happy to have him back but unfortunately, I believe there's a lot more to this story that is coming. Um, but hopefully, we'll see everything gel uh, and not disrupt the locker room. But with that, I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Dave Katz. And appreciate you joining the podcast again. And welcome back. I'm your sidekick, Dave Katz. And uh, as we say in the uh, ATL on Fire podcast, we know a lot about soccer. We know a fair about, about Atlanta United. We know a little bit about MLS, but we're gonna talk about it all. Let's talk about it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Mikey Dobbs, uh, you know, reading between the lines about Nogby, I really thought it was contract, right? Because yeah. apparently when he signed from Portland, he didn't renegotiate the contract. They just traded him and he just took the same contract. So you figure he's got the contract from Portland, He's now at the new team. They win the title. It's Atlanta United. Big crowds, big money, lots of, you know, the ownership. It's got a ton of money. And, you know, he wants to get paid. Yeah. Right? So I really, really thought the whole thing was about he wanted a new contract. And the whole thing about Columbus was just a smokescreen to say, if you don't give me my new contract, I have a place to go. Yeah. I mean, there's some little things about personal business now, and maybe that's like has to do with the Ohio thing, but I was going to make my second ever 100% guaranteed ATL on Fire podcast prediction that nothing was going to come of it and he was yeah. going to play. 
Well, I, <laughs> I did see that in some email or text that that was your, that was your uh, forecast. So we'll believe it here on ATL and Fire as well. Uh, so to get a little bit more into this topic, I want to introduce uh, tonight's guest of the show, Dr. Roberto Vargas. Hey, hey. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, Nagby. Why now, though? Right, right when we're going to uh, kick off CONCACAF, do you think he felt like he might have had management ownership in a corner because CONCACAF was going to get kicked off and thought that he could squeeze a little bit more cash out of him? I'm guessing he was trying to negotiate the whole time. And when they didn't like say, okay, we're going to go and give you a new contract, he was like, now's my time to squeeze it. So yes, I think so. That's the, the pressure. Yeah. And he was able to, to uh, you know, basically use that pressure to, to ramp up the negotiations. So what, what is put, his salary? Do we know? I think it's a hefty amount, you know, for MLS standards. But I, 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 I think it's, it, it's, I think, number seven in the roster. So he's behind a lot of people, and so that's probably meaning it's maybe 500, 600 is my guess. I was guessing 600. <laughs> 600 sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I think you know when you think about him, I would make a good argument that he's the third most important player on the team. Certainly, and, you know, um, Atlanta United has terrific attacking players we got the martinez bros right yeah and uh we've got a you know decent back line but the bridge you know is nogby 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 and maybe a little bit aside of remedy right um without that bridge the team just doesn't go so it looks like total compensation for nagby last year was 620 yeah so we were pretty close yeah pretty good yeah it's not and bad better than me if i was his agent i would definitely Looking be up arguing information, that he's... that's uh highly discouraged on the podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're making us but look you're bad. Uh, roberto you're allowed to do your thing <laughs> use your mobile web make it happen there's an exception to every rule so i'll i'll ask you a larger question that i ask most guests roberto why are you an atlanta united fan um like what drew you to the team uh, I think you're a season ticket holder. Like, I am. What are the things that draw you to Atlanta United? Um, really, it was that fan base. You know, it all got started, obviously, uh, the same way that Blank got started in it. Kids playing, uh, kids playing soccer. And, um, you know, you're, you're on the side of the pitch every weekend, uh, sometimes in a good mood, sometimes in a bad. But you... Uh, you learn to enjoy the game and you have that camaraderie with the other parents. And I went to the, to the first game at, um, over there at Georgia Tech. Bobby Dodd. At Bobby Dodd. And I was totally blown away. From that moment, I said, you know what? I'm jumping on board. I have never seen such a frenzy for any sporting event. Um, talking about literally people fighting to get into the stadium. I was with a friend who was actually trying to get into a fight to get into the stadium. <laughs> but um, but it, was, uh, it was impressive um, because I didn't know what to expect when I was, uh, when I was going. Um, and when I'm walking up there and that line's all the way down to... It was almost to like the North Avenue MARTA station when I got there. Yeah. Um, and I just got caught up in that fervor. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, never let go. So um, you're saying it wasn't entirely the ATL on Fire podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can be honest. Have you listened to the first two episodes? Because I thought for sure you've listened to two episodes. And now, of course, you're an Atlanta United fan. No, I, I decided to come in here raw. <laughs> <laughs> here on the ATL on Fire podcast, neither, not even our guests listen to our podcast. It's not what it's about. It's about coming ill-prepared. And if you were to listen to the podcast, then you'd be breaking all the rules. <laughs> we, want, we want originality, yes. Yeah. Um, but, but, but no, you know, ever since that, that moment, um, I knew that, you know what, this is a team that I want to follow. And... 
the multicultural aspect and um, you know the, the 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 various socioeconomic uh, uh, spectrum that I noticed there was something that I really wanted to be a part of. You know, you saw all walks of life in there. Yeah. You saw people that knew a lot about soccer. You saw people like myself that didn't know too much. Yeah, because you're a baseball guy. Probably. I'm a baseball guy. Grew up uh, walking distance from Shea Stadium. So I'm a, I'm a Mets fan for good or bad. Um, and, you know, my family's from the Dominican Republic. So that's what we do. We play baseball. Two Mets fans across the Two Mets fans right. on one bench. Right. Oh, my God. All right, we're going to move back to soccer. Back to soccer. <laughs> so... Um, so no, but but um, now I probably follow Atlanta United as closely as I yeah. follow uh, the New York Mets, if not a little bit more. I mean, I've been a diehard Falcons fan for a while now, and like I was way bought in in 2016 to the point of like doing a head dive in, on concrete that that whole year. I mean, I really felt they were going to the Super Bowl when that started, but I have a different whole mentality the way I'm following Atlanta United right now in terms of just headlines and just the interest of all the the nuances that um, happen on a on a team and I also just love the 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 change like just this is like the first season like going into you know all the different signings and people moving in moving out even the Nagby drama is just interesting it's it's I've never felt that way about baseball or or the Falcons in that way, even though the same things are happening in the headlines. Mm. The feeling I have with soccer and it happening with the team I give a shit about is mm-hmm. it's really just fascinating to me the way that, that it's, it's pulling at me very different than any other team that I've rooted for. Yeah, I find even my- Mikey Dobbs loves the silly season now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself a lot more emotionally invested, and I can't really tell you why. Yeah, um, I can't either. But um, but it's definitely um, something that has not only taken over myself, it's taken over my household. I find conversation anywhere and everywhere. It might start off with homework with my kid and it winds up talking about, you know, what's going to happen to V. Alba now that, you know, Pity's here, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, Man, that so, guy's going to light it up, isn't he? I just know it. Man, from the preseason games, I am afraid for the rest of the league. I'm calling it right now. He'll be MLS Player of the Year this year. Yeah, I, I don't think wow. there's a lot of people. Bold prediction, PT Martinez. Yeah. It's hard, you know, got to temper enthusiasm. That he's, fin- he's clearly a first-class player right in his prime, but it's hard to walk into a league, you know, and, uh, and own it. I mean, you know, for example, Ibrahimovic comes out in the last couple of days and says, this year I'm ready to dominate because now I know the league. I mean, he had a phenomenal season last yeah. year, but... I'm a, little scared. I'm a little scared of that because yeah. he's a freak. <laughs> he's a freak. Because <laughs> like I said, I didn't watch a lot of Ibrahimovic when he was in his prime in, in Europe. I uh, just wasn't watching a lot of soccer at that point in time. So when I saw a few flashes of what he could do... It was scary. It's scary. He's a show onto himself. Yeah, and he knows it. I yeah. love that. Uh, what's, what's the late night sh- show where he's like uh, James that Corden? Yeah, you talking about when he plays the uh, yeah like the, from uh, Big, the fortune teller from yeah. Big. Oh, that's that's a, yeah. Look that up on YouTube. Is Zlatan uh, Zoltan? <laughs> uh, all right. So a quick rewind to Nagby. Let's close that out. Move on. Do you think he's going to have the same form? Because he's in the prime of his career right now. Can he stay focused with, with whatever happened personally or uh, or with what he wanted to get done with his contract? Can he can he stay focused and be the player we saw at the end of last year? I guess it, it depends on what the actual truth is, right? Yeah. If it was a contract, he didn't get a new contract. At least nobody's announced that, right? So if, he, if it was a contract, then it could be really become a distraction because yeah. he's still waiting for it. Right, and if 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 Darren Eels and Arthur Blank are playing hardball, then maybe. But it, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, the other aspect that we could think of is, you know, how much is his head wrapped up in uh, in Concacaf? You know, is it something that now that he's checked off the box of the MLS Cup that he's all into? You know, Concacaf, and I wonder how much precedence that's going to take over 
repeating the MLS Cup. Um, both, you know, both for him and the rest of the team. Yeah, I think that would be that will be interesting to see. But um, I think that you know, Cats uh, has ha- has a point there. We'll see if uh, if they paid the man. If yeah. they paid the man, <laughs> and his real motivation this right. this whole time was uh, either contract extension, money, or both. Did they uh, open up the checkbook and put that smile on his face so he can uh, move on to other things? It yeah. certainly worries me on day one because right. you go on the road, right? Your first ever CONCACAF Championship match, also the first game of a new coaching era, right? And you need a guy who is unflappable on the ball, right? And Nagby, if there's anything that he brings to this team, he brings just a, a complete composure on the ball. Solid. And so... You know, DeBoer has said that he might be in line to play 30 minutes or something, which is good if we are trying to close out the game in a tie situation or maybe in a lead. But it worries you, you know, if we get rattled, we give up an early goal, man, you're going to miss Nogby in calming things down. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like I said, I think he's a cornerstone of the team. So I'm happy to have him back. I just hope his head is right. I mean, people are talking about this fantastic, you know, Atlanta United, CONCACAF Champions League run. Could we win the title? I mean, if they go out in first round. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and it can happen. You know, it is not easy. Ask the U.S. national team how easy it is to go and win in Costa Rica. Yeah. And... With that, I'm going to move on to where I should be on Thursday, but I'm not going to be. Um, (laughs) Had babysitting all lined up. uh, Was ready to go down to San Jose on Thursday morning. So, locked down babysitting the whole nine yards. Was, you know, looking at how I could get tickets to Ariandano. And, uh, you know, ready to get my gambling on in San Jose. And then go to the (laughs) beach and surf for a couple days and relax with the wife. then I went to Delta.com and checked tickets. They were crazy <laughs> expensive. 1700 bucks round trip. And I was like, no way. Obviously. Not that much of a fan. Not for a three-day trip. <laughs> and the Sky Miles was like 110 per ticket. 110000 Delta's not even a sponsor of their jerseys. I know. That's why I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, they, the they, old ones or the new ones. <laughs> they've got a lot of, uh, of work to do to, to, to get me back in their good graces. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think it's a team you can take too lightly, but I think this is where I'm excited to see PT play. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously he plays in plusher stadiums down in Argentina than where they're where they're going in the stadium just outside of San Jose, but I don't think anything's going to phase him in that type of environment. I wonder what that environment is going to be like, because I feel like we're literally going into hostile territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going into the jungles of uh, and of PT Central could America, be a yeah. huge edge mentally in this game because yeah. he's used to going around South America for the championship, playing in these hostile environments in South America. You know, he could be a calming influence just from an organization standpoint. He's going to bring the Pura Vida to the Pura Vida. <laughs> <laughs> telling you. Uh, or, 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 or who knows? Who knows? You know, we have a lot of Latin American players on that team, so. Um, I wonder how that will translate. Hopefully, it translates in in a good way, as opposed to having, let's say, you know, a bunch of Americans that barely speak English going down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have, you know, the the core of your team being a Latin American, you know, being Latin American, um, I wonder how that'll play out. Hopefully, that'll calm some anxieties. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm bummed. I'm not going to be down there mixing it up with the Ticos. They're great people. Love them. I love Costa Rica. So uh, you know, it's going to be a fun match. Um, I think the stadium holds around 7,000 people. So That's it. That's it, yeah. Um, <laughs> not. It's about 20 minutes outside of San Jose. Um, and, uh, yeah. I'm uh, curious to see how many United fans are on there. I was on the internet and saw some, uh, saw some knuckleheads putting some uh, pictures up while they're waiting at the airport at yeah. Hartsfield. Nice. Um, I don't know how many sky miles that cost them. They got more coin. Although... <laughs> I think I think a lot of the folks traveling down this may be part of the the demand issues. I think some of the supporters groups have like a package deal okay. that they they Wiped could just buy into, and so that might have gotten some of the tickets that otherwise uh, Delta wasn't expecting. I don't know. Arthur Blank, if you're listening, ATL on Fire is not above accepting free trips to 
um, Concord Champions League away matches. That's right, eh? And, uh, <laughs> we'll like sponsor your private jet, eh? <laughs> By flying in it. Uh, so next topic, um, the kits. So oh, I can't wait to get on this. New ride. home kit. Obviously, they released that on Friday with Men in Blazers. I, I watched a little bit of it on YouTube down here in the cave. Um, I love the front of the jersey. I like the, uh, the the stripes. I think that looks great. Obviously, love the star. The straight black on the back is growing on me a little bit. I didn't necessarily. I don't love it where it cuts off and goes back into stripes and does the halfway thing. But I do like the full black. I think it looks. Do you like cool. that many stripes on it, though? I do. I think it looks pretty slick. Do you think it gets away from from the name? You mean and the, the five culture? stripes? <laughs> well, there's five. The five, five. I mean seven. <laughs> I mean nine stripes. Well, there's there's five black stripes. So cool. it's still five stripes. It's just on the on the emblem. You mean? Just on the front. There's like if you look at like the the whole front. There's I believe five black stripes, and then in between are the red. Got so it. you could still run with the five stripes. Oh, so it's ten stripes, but only five of each color? Oh, so we're the five of each color stripes? You know math is my weakness. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think I would have been happier if they stuck with the whole five stripes theme and worked around that. You know, you could come up with a, with a whole lot of yeah. designs. Yeah. You know, because obviously there was an issue of hey, we want to sell some more jerseys, okay? And I'm fine with that. The club yeah. wants to make more money. Great. Yeah. Um, but you could have still held that whole uh, five-stripe momentum and tweak that into something new. You didn't have to totally revamp the thing. All right. But here's, here's the thing. If I'd start connecting the dots when I looked at some EPL games, uh, some Bundesliga games, and then you look at some of the other kits like Cincinnati, I think it has a lot more to do with the lack of creativity from Adidas or whatever mm. templates that they package everybody into. There's a pretty similar format, I think, in terms Blame of... Blame it on the Germans. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, but, you know, I was wondering how long our sponsorship's for. I mean, all kidding aside, because uh, I thought maybe it might be for the first two years, but clearly it's not because it's still got American Family yeah. Insurance... Because, you know, I thought, okay, American Family Insurance, no offense to them, but, um, you know, we are such a big deal now. A, you would think we could up our sponsorship contract because the number of jerseys they've sold is way more than they expected. And I was thinking, you know, big Atlanta company, you know, bring on Coca-Cola. Bring on Delta. Or some, Delta, right? Come Mag on. Magby needs AmFam's agent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theory again. ATL, you heard it here first. So it turns out, Nagby doesn't care anything about the team. He's just holding out for keeping American Family Insurance on the jersey. <laughs> got it. I got it. All right. So, yeah, so, so, does so, anything so. change with um, the away kits or anything like that? Or is that just the home? That I haven't heard of. No, they change each one every other year. So okay. the Peach, the King Peach changed last year. And now next year they'll change the away jersey. Yeah. So what was that? like? And they always do like some sort of specialty kit. Like they did the black one for one game or something Oh, yeah. Like what that. was that called, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, They always have a third kit that's like a... Mystery. A one-off type one situation. Off, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about with kids or we should move on to the next topic, which is going to be um, my lack of knowledge around um, the USL and how Academy works. And, and Roberto, you and I were talking about this on, uh, what, Sunday night or over the weekend mm -hmm. uh, at the Stratford. And I, I really don't understand how the Academy system works. You seem to have a little bit more knowledge. I'm sure Dave is uh, a black belt in this type of stuff too, um, being a coach in the youth systems. And I don't really understand how the academy feeds into USL teams like Atlanta United 2. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously... So you're talking about the Atlanta United Academy? Or yes. the academy for each club? And, 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 for, and for any club. Is it uniform across the U.S.? Um, how, how, do, how do academy systems work? Or what is the whole concept? So I think from my understanding, Kat, you could jump in mm -hmm. at any time. But when we were talking at, at the pub, um, not every MLS team has a USL team and a first team that's in the, 
that's in the ML, you know, that's in the that place in the MLS. So when it comes to our specific situation as it pertains to Atlanta United, you have the academy, but the well, that's USL team is not. Let me stop for a second. The not every USL team has a parent. MLS, MLS team, team. like Charleston Battery, correct, for or Tampa Bay Rowdies. But every MLS team does have a USL baby team. Is that, that? correct? No, 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 no. Okay, no, 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 no. Not every team does. The USL actually um, goes. Is that back, an older league than the yeah, MLS? Yeah, predates the MLS. Okay, so yeah, it's been that, around for yeah. a long time, and and so there have been a number of different iterations, right? So there's the MLS. Um, when the MLS first started, the, the big soccer was the A-League, which yeah. existed for quite a while and has just just disappeared. There's now been a cup for a couple of years, this NASL rebirth, which is just a couple of teams. But the main, the main secondary teams were actually A-League teams. That's what the... Um, Battery was for a long time, I believe. I think they were in the A-League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and so, you know... For a long time, people talked about, well, maybe the A-League would be incorporated. It could be some promotion relegation, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but um, there were USL teams, which is, you know, is semi-professional, basically. And the, the, it, it was mostly younger kids trying to transition, playing after college. You know, just they don't pay much at all for the USL. Um, but it's it's... It's taken on a little bit higher importance now that the MLS has grown and that some of the teams have a, a relationship. Obviously, Atlanta United has Atlanta United too. And so some of the, the clubs have their own now USL associated with it. That's separate from the academies. So the MLS teams, a few years after they started, they decided that they needed to have academies so that they could groom youth players. The USL players are mostly coming from, you know, college or, or at least out of high school. The academies goes all the way down to U12 12. or okay. whatever. And the idea was that then they could groom them to then sign their first professional contract at 16. And that may be in the USL or in the MLS So team. now if you're Atlanta United, you can sign them professionally and play them with your USL team or the MLS team. Most of the MLS teams can only sign them for their M well, some of them can only sign for the MLS because they don't have a USL affiliate. And that's what the homegrown player becomes, a player who you've developed and you have special rights to because um, you've developed them, right? And the idea base basically was that, you know, once upon a time, you had state ODP programs, Olympic development programs, and you had college programs, right? And there was a player who wanted to go straight a professional and it, you know there was no transition you were either you know somehow going to make the jump immediately to mls but most people went to college and the college unfortunately the system has a huge number of ncaa restrictions they're not allowed to play year-round they have a certain number of practices and so the answer to that was to develop players through the academy have them be professional and sign contracts at 16 and that's why they have academy programs Got it. So, but the, in, in Rob, we were talking about this the other night. Um, the academy programs, like taking Atlanta as the example, there are certain youth clubs, the club teams that feed into those different age group divisions, which Dave, I think to your point would have been like in my day, like the Olympic the ODP teams. Mm -hmm. But now becomes it, like it, academy teams that the, roll up into MLS or yeah what? The, uh, the developmental academies. Okay, so it's almost like these DA teams <laughs> have completely, I don't want to say um, um, decimated ODP teams, but um, they have taken on a greater importance. Right, and that was um, gonna, yeah, I was curious like, with your son playing like. Is, so it is more important than ODP in terms of their... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and from my understanding is that these developmental academies, they don't have the restrictions on uh, looking for players like other clubs do. So, um, you know, let's say somebody, let's say Atlanta United goes to a game and they like a kid. There is no restriction on them going straight up to that kid and recruiting them. Okay. Whereas, the, let's say there's another... Um, there's another club team, they wouldn't be able to do that because of restrictions. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so in my 
whole navigating this this weird um, <laughs> academy. Uh, we're in Georgia, so Georgia soccer uh, political uh, landscape. Um, it's be it's it it's pretty interesting, and it's become um, um, competitive in a strange way because they're kids, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but now there's I don't know probably in the Atlanta area half a dozen to eight developmental academies and all these developmental academies will play against let's say an Atlanta United well the, I think the goal here I mean one of the things that they do in Europe which we have not figured out in the United States is how to scout players playing in their home teams for years the United States has had tryouts right and tryouts is a whole different breed of things, right? So if you go and show up at a tryout, you're joining a team, blah, 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 you play, you know, you, maybe you get thrown in positions or whatever. It's a totally different thing than playing with your home team, playing a tactic or whatever. At tryouts, you tend to pick out the guys who are big, fast, strong, score goals, and you may totally miss the guy who's the Nogby making things go in midfield, controlling the ball. Because if you just control the ball and keep possession in a tryout, eh, nobody's going to notice you. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think the developmental academy is the answer to Atlanta United where they can actually scout players playing for a team rather than just bringing them for a tryout. Yeah, and they can see how that one player impacts the whole team right. as opposed to just looking for individual talent and skill set. You know, your skill set may be creating things making things happen not necessarily yeah. getting you know a hundred goals it might be you being involved in all these different runs that turn out to be a, a um um a goal or 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 an assist but you won't necessarily see that and you've that, seen it from atlanta united too right the guys on atlanta united too who are pushing for spots lagos kunga carlton those sorts of players Right? They're all attacking midfielders, right? And one of the things that shocked me is who's the guy who's pressing to take Lorenowitz's job? Yeah. Right? Lorenowitz 34 35. Meanwhile, these guys are trying to compete to take Al Marone's Maybe. spot or Barco's slot. You is know? that going to happen? <laughs> right? Ugh. I mean, and this is a problem. And it, the problem goes to even Atlanta United, too. There's, you know, they've been picking players from, you know, superstars from clubs or wherever. And instead of picking guys in their team who can read the game and whatever, you know, so Jeff Lorenowitz is a guy who you would never identify in a tryout. Right. Right. How is he going to show in a tryout? Or Remedy, for example, so, is a beautiful example. But both of y'all have kids that are playing competitive soccer. And Dave, you grew up during my era where ODP was everything. Is this system better? And what are some of the flaws with the way that MLS, USL, club teams, and then the whole academy system are now working? And is that is it the same outside of Georgia? Is it different by state also? I think it's going on in a lot of places uh, in different states. They have developmental academy. I think they tend to be more associated around MLS teams. Yeah. I'm not really absolutely sure. But I think it's only as good as people who are willing to go out and and scout the players um, in their own environment, right? I mean, again, if the developmental academies, right, you know, if these clubs hold a tryout to see who's going to be the developmental academy player, it's not going to work. It's just going to be the same as ODP. Yeah. And in some states, you don't have DA programs at all, and all you have is ODP. Right. Right? And um, through through this crazy landscape that is you soccer then you start running into uh, other systems besides da you come across ecnl and you come across what's the other npl i think there are so many acronyms it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah um and i wish there was some sort of structure or some guidance uh, for parents that have talented kids you know um and it's strange because when um, my son was trying out for a DA program, I'm not going to mention any names, but he was trying out for a DA program, but you could see the politics around it, and what they what they told us was, hey, why don't you um, 
have him play with our ECNL team, which um, which some people would say is a tad below DA. Yeah. But some people would say it's the same or even better. It depends who you ask. Um, and then they have something called designated player where they would say, all right, in this ECNL team, you, you know, your son could be a part of it, and then they'll have up to five showings in DA programs. And there are some restrictions with DA, like you can't play any other sports, you can't play for your high school, you can't you can't play organized badminton for God's sakes. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's you know, you're almost like ours. You know, right, it's right. almost like a contract in it in and of itself. Um, what I am interested to hear from cats is where does the ECNL fall in this paradigm because um, there are so many different leagues when it comes to um, you know youth development and youth soccer what I hear is that on the boys side the DA is the top for, from the girls side ECNL is you know is more important um, again this is this is you know my understanding and going through the journey uh, with my son and figuring out you know the the the, the youth soccer uh, uh, system here in the in, in the United States and trying to make um, some good decisions. But I'm curious to hear from you, like what what are those differences? What um, um, what are the pros and cons? Is there one that's better than the other? I don't know about what's better or not, but my concern is in identifying players too early and then sticking only with those players. The idea that nobody is going to develop between, you know, 15 and 19 is kind of nuts. And one of the things that really concerns me is once you've selected a player at 13, 14, 15, if you are not continuing to look amongst the other groups, right, you're going to miss these players, right, that are developing late. Whereas in Europe... Or in South America, right? I mean, I think PD is a perfect example, right? Who didn't really bloom, you know, Late until bloomer. a little bit later, right? And my concern is that if you're at a club in Europe or in South America, you can continue to develop in that club. Those coaches know those kids, right? And they know there's a kid on the second team at the 15, you know, who's not quite figured it all out, but he's still got some potentially reads the game and they keep bringing him along, bringing him along, and suddenly something clicks and, you know, a few years later, boom. He's a monster. Yeah. Right? So one thing I'll say, though, it does seem like finally uh, there is starting to be a little bit more structure with the way that stock, soccer is at least working under this system from the top down that has never really existed before. I mean, do you feel that, Dave, or am I wrong? Am I? No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, now, just the ability to sign a player at 16 changes everything. Yeah. Right? Because it means that, that clubs like Atlanta United have to concern themselves with youth players. Right? For a long time, it just didn't exist. Right? right? So they just you know, could just wash their hands of it. Maybe they would take, you know, a couple of the best players. There's some academies. They had them early on. But even there, you know, they were like, okay, we're developing, you know, one or two. But we don't care. If you're not, they don't turn out really well, we'll go to the college game. We'll go to South America, whatever. We'll get them for somewhere else. And now, with the ability to sign a player at 16 and potentially develop them as a homegrown player in the MLS, it changes everything. So you brought up an interesting. What does this mean for college soccer? Mm. I think it's not good for them, you know, of course. Um, well, it's it's kind of interesting because I did hear from some parents, you know, um, and it all boils down to, in my mind, is this pay-for-play system that, that, that we have. Um, you have these parents who can afford their kids to um, do the big, uh, you know, traveling circuits. And um, what happens is what they have in their mind is all about college you know and once you get to that point there's no real need to push past that into a professional program everything is driven to play division one ball there is no hunger or desire by the parent or the player to push past ncaa division one and into an mls team now that has changed recently thanks to our club here at 
Atlanta United and possibly with what Katz just mentioned about uh, signing somebody at, at, at 16. But from a parent's standpoint, it is still all about can my son or daughter get a free ride to college? And that's the top target. Well, I, I would argue that, that what college is going to become and what it has become is the refuge of the late blooming player who's mm -hmm. not getting signed at 16. If you right. look at, you know, we've got college players. So Gressel, Gressel yeah. didn't make it in Germany, came to college here, bloomed late in college here, right? Yeah. Providence. Connecticut, yeah. Right? And oh, Rhode Island, excuse me. Yeah. Nogby was the NCAA player of the year at a time when their MLS existed, couldn't make the jump to MLS directly. And what's the new guy from UCLA? Um, yeah, what's his name? What uh, Anderson Asiadu. That's yeah. him. Yeah. And, I, and Miles Robinson, who I think yeah. is going to get a starting spot on the Atlanta United team this year. Wait, Gallagher also. came from college too, didn't he? Yeah, so all of those players have the same thing in common. They're not necessarily the splashiest players. None of them look like the fastest, quickest, whatever. But they're really smart, they read the game, and are actually turning out to be terrific players, right? So what does that say about, you know, who you're picking, right? Yeah. Whereas if you compare them to the guys maybe even that have been picked early, the Lagos is the Carltons, even the Bellows, yeah. you know, trade-off. All right. Um, switching gears, uh, I was able to watch a little of Miguel Amaron's first 20 minutes at Newcastle last week against uh, your beloved wolves yeah against my beloved wolves thank you so it was uh, it was kind of nice to see the wolves come back on the uh cheap goal at the end i'll take it <laughs> um but you know one thing i will say it was fun to watch miguel amaran in, in uh in the epl and really see that he had that same uh just vicious pace that was clearly a step above the speed of, of every other player and you know, I, and Dave and I were speaking about this. I think he certainly has the the, the quality and the, the toughness. The question will be is I think in the EPL, the the pace of the game is a, is a second faster. But even just seeing like in the first 20 minutes, like the way he knocks some short passes around. He handled that well. He handled, like I think that he is on his way to some interesting headlines there. But of course, I'm a homer. I'm going to say that. But I think... I don't think you could expect much better from the 20 minutes that you saw him um, just jump in there, fresh off the helicopter or the plane, whatever <laughs> he came in on. Um, I was concerned, I think, as most Atlanta United fans were, what's going to happen to Miggy when he gets into the EPL, although that's been his childhood dream, What what is going to happen to him? And after I saw those you know, 20-somewhat minutes, those concerns were gone. You know, yeah. He still was a step faster than most people there. Um, he was very aggressive. He didn't look concerned about getting hurt at all, yeah. um, which were all the things that were were um, were concerning to me, especially because he's not a big guy. Yeah. And even his um, like flops and his like when he got fouled in the midfield or when he got pushed down in the corner, that was the same Miggy. Like, and and frankly, like when he got pushed down in the corner, like that was the referee being like, "All right, you're not going to get that foul <laughs> get just that yet until you prove yourself in this league." I'm, <laughs> and I'm okay with that, but um, doesn't hurt trying. As long as that that didn't turn into the goal that uh, ended the game, game tied. But uh, yeah, the one where he was like blasting again. As soon as he gets the ball, he does that just. <laughs> zero to 60 I'm going right at him and that's obviously something that Newcastle just hasn't had in, in a while that you can see is, is the quality that they've been missing and that first touch was still there you yeah. know what I mean it was just as good at, in, that, in that 20 minutes as it was in the games I've seen him play in MLS and I think that's what's going to um, help him avoid getting smashed up in the EPL that 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 blistering speed, him being one step ahead, that quick one touch, and just him finding lanes, yeah. you know, very relatively quickly. Um, I'm curious to see what you know the next game, which uh, Rafa saying that he's going to uh, play from the start, possibly mm -hmm. at Huddersfield. Cats, uh, I think you said yeah. you might be going to that. No, I'm going in a couple of weeks to see him when they're playing at Arsenal. But gotcha. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be in, fully entrenched as a starter by that point. 
So, so I'm curious to see what we're going to... I have a concern, see. though. There's no doubt to me about his talent, speed, whatever. My concern is the Newcastle fans putting us to shame, right? So if you're a Newcastle fan and you're thinking about Miggy... Mr. Hudson. Here's my suggestion. It's, oh, Miggy, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind, hey, Miggy. <laughs> right? Because, look, here's my critique, right? How do we not come up with individual songs for players at Atlanta United? How can we not do that? Yeah. And Newcastle's probably going to have a song for him in, by week two. We only have two chants, really. I mean, we got, you know, a two. But they're great, but they, they're not for players. Yeah. And they're not original either. Well, some of them are not original. That's true. That, uh, uh, yeah, okay. But <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. But uh, where are chants for players? So if you're yeah. listening, Newcastle fans, there you go. Courtesy of ATL on fire. <laughs> All right, so I'm trying to put some segments into this podcast, and I'm throwing a curveball to Dave. I'm creating a segment called Cat's Corner. Um, this yeah. is a chance <laughs> for the podcast. Here. I, feel, I feel like we've already done it a little bit with the geeky talk on uh, USL and Academy, but I, I think hopefully for the listeners who uh, I hope we draw to the podcast over time are your average fan um, people like yourself, Roberto, you know, I think you're learning a lot from your son playing soccer, uh, in, in that being his passion, but, you know, really as the game gets more complex, you start talking about things like formation and system. I wanted to kick it over to Dave to talk about the five, four, one formations. I get it. So what you want to do is push it over to me to discuss the boring aspects of how you line up and what that means. Well, it can be very... It's okay. I'm prepared to yeah. make it entertaining. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Make it entertaining, but also educational. Because, of course, people understand, yes, there's a 4-3-3. Three, three, means four in the back, three in the middle, three up front. Okay, now... But why does that matter to the average fan when they're here and there's a bunch of soccer dorks like us who are talking about that and Tata and Frank DeBoer, our coaches, are... A certain system person why should they give a shit okay now dear podcast listener let's start with this okay so the formation four four two four three three doesn't include the goalkeeper why because goalkeepers suck and nobody cares about them <laughs> now in reality it's because you have to play with the goalkeeper and so why bother it'd be stupid if you started with one on every single formation but the other question I don't understand, why does it have to start with the back, right? So in a, in a classic formation, dear podcast listener, we always start with how many people are in the back, then the midfield, and then forward. But why start at the back? Does that suggest that we have to defend first, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Says Mikey Dobbs, who never defended a day in his life. <laughs> That's my dirty secret. All right, so formations, right? You know, you have it starts with the number of players in the back. As much as we would love to play with 13 on the field, they're only allowed to play with 11. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the classic, you know, formation back when, uh, you know, before soccer time 4 4 2, four defenders, four midfielders, two forwards, two banks of four, they call it because it's straight across the middle. Right, that's the, the classic formation. And what has deviated from that over time, to be honest, uh, as we were discussing a little before the podcast started, right? It's whatever Barcelona's doing and it's hot shit at the time, <laughs> <laughs> right? So anyway, you go with Ajax, for example, if we're gonna talk about our coach DeBoer, right? Ajax, total football, right? The idea is that you maintain possession of the ball, everybody attacks, everybody defends, Obviously, it's hard to do that on a full-length field, right? So De Boer's preferred system is three at the back, basically three center defenders, okay? And since most teams are only playing one or two up top, you have those players covered. And then what he likes to have is two outside, call them what you will, their backs, midfielders, whatever, right? And they actually, when we're defending, we, it becomes five in the back. When we're attacking, it becomes five in the midfield. So it's easier to morph. Right, so it's, it's a morphic, you know, morphing situation, right? Um, obviously to do that, 
creates a dynamic. I mean, soccer, regardless of what formation that you're playing, it's about making defenders nervous and having good spacing when you're in offense without, you know, giving up the bank when you lose the ball. Right. So if you have those guys flying up the field and becoming midfielders or even forwards, that's all well and good. But when you lose the ball, the and there's only three back counterattack city. Yeah. Right. So the bottom line is, you know, you want to squeeze the field when you have uh, lose the ball and you want to open up the field when you don't have the ball. And how do you do that? Right. It's about maximizing where the where the players are. But. It's all well and good to say total football and have people interchanging, but if you get lopsided, if somebody makes a run from the middle to the right or from right all the way to left, this is really good offensively. It's really hard to track who's going to mark him. Is it going to be the guy who started with him? Is it going to be where he ends up? You lose him in the middle, he can score a goal. But if you lose the ball in the process of why that guy's making a run, now you're overloaded and nobody's on the outside. So can you bring that home for the, the fans of Atlanta United and the, the, the main formation that we typically play and why that suits the talent on the field and the philosophy of Tata and Frank DeBoer? Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, Atlanta United switched a little bit in the back. They played some for in the back and some five in the back when he played five in the back it was to send those outside guys flying you know when Garza and um, Gressel and later Escobar were on the outsides when we won the ball those guys were flying as soon as we won the ball and to, to Tata's credit you know Garza's way up the field right if Gonzalez Perez or Parkhurst gives up possession he's nowhere in the picture Right, and actually, it cost us very early on. I don't know if you remember the game we got absolutely hammered in Houston in opening yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Right, we gave up per, per, uh, possession. Uh, Gonzalez Perez gave it away a couple times, and in that case, not only did it give it away, but we only were playing two in the back. It's Gonzalez Perez and Parkhurst, and they were really spaced so they could swing the ball around the back. And as soon as they gave it, there was this gaping hole in between them. Right, so I don't know if, if you noticed, but Tata innovated. I think he had this crazy system where when we would win the ball, Gonzalo, uh, Garza and Gressel or Escobar would go flying up the field, and actually Lorenowitz, the moment we won the ball, was actually going back towards our own goal. Right, and what his job was to do was to fill that middle, so if we lose possession, that we couldn't get counterattacked straight through the middle and score a quick yeah. goal. Awesome. Well, I think that's enough soccer education uh, for the first segment of Cat's Corner. Thanks for putting up with my, uh, you know, on the spot. <laughs> no problem. Um, I'm here for you, Mikey. Dallas. Thank that's you, why they call me the sidekick. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If I got to choose what I did, they'd call me the podcaster. So we are going to move on to our first <laughs> trivia section. And... With that, I'm going to grab my cue cards. Hold on. Okay, I have the trivia cards in hand now. And uh, definitely enjoying the the wine here, Dave. What do you think of it? Yeah, before we get to the trivia, we have to talk about the wine. Right, so it's a Fry Brothers Pinot Noir provided by Mikey Dobbs from the Russian River Valley. Any comments on what you think? I am loving it. This is definitely, I, I'm a big Pinot fan in general, but Russian River, was it Willamont Valley? I know that's Oregon. Willamette is pronounced. Yeah, yeah. I always get that wrong. <laughs> they have um, terrific Pinot Noir in Oregon. Yeah, R- Russian River Valley, whatever the, I don't know, there's something about the, the lightness of it and the flavor I'm, I'm a big fan of. So It's our first Pinot Noir on the podcast, so your podcast mm. listeners, you know, enjoy yeah, we're I know. Gonna to, um, we're gonna have to include some, you know, some rum here. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Our Dominican uh, friend Roberto is uh, a rum connoisseur. Rum connoisseur, and thank you for the bottle uh, from your trip to the Dominican. I have yet to crack that open. We should do that on a future podcast. I, I agree with you. Great idea. Um, so you're gonna be our first victim of, I don't know, cult soccer trivia. This one seems to be heavy geared towards MLS trivia. Okay. Maybe we'll keep it MLS, ATL, United focus. I think that's probably appropriate. Okay. Um, this is a blend of both. If you... 
I was gonna say run the gauntlet, but I think these there might be that might be too tough now okay. that I look at the lower the bar already. <laughs> the lower That's the what bar. we do here on ATR. Yeah. The blank stare <laughs> gave it away. I'll let you, you don't need to get them all right, yeah. just maybe one or two right. <laughs> if you get eight if you get eight out of ten, all right. you'll get a free six pack of emergency drinking beer from our very own Wild Heaven Brewery. I drink uh, it, which, I drink which it. Which is I'll excellent drinking beer <laughs> when you're having an emergency. So, what does he get if we get some wrong? Do we get I have to give him an emergency. The guest has to buy us beer. I'll tell you what, you, I, if you give me a quick little neck adjustment, okay. if you don't, or and Dave might need one too. Sure. Uh, that that'll be you know a quick little neck crack to we'll set, call it even. set things right. <laughs> all right. Uh, the barter system. It's yep. It's all based on the crack. So I think Dave. <laughs> I think things are looking in our favor. We'll okay. see here though. All right. <laughs> Roberto, shoot the MLS right now going into the 2019 season has how many teams? Twenty four. Boom. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Well done. All right. We're going to get tough on you now. I don't know that you're going to get this one. Of all the MLS teams in existence, how many have won championships? How many different clubs have won a championship? Even Dave might struggle with this one. We'll boot it over to him. Start naming them, but I don't know the numbers. So, six. Incorrect. Dave, you want to take a a stab at it? I want to say it's higher than that. You'd you'd be right on your inclination there. Maybe eight? Believe it or not, and I'm going on my account on Wikipedia here, I counted 14. 14, wow. Yeah, so there's some major parity in... Makes sense. In there, I don't don't jump to any other conclusions because there's some sub questions to this, Dave. Uh-oh. So, um, be careful with your added knowledge because there, <laughs> there may be some <laughs> questions like this one, which is the Galaxy has won how many of oh. these championships? The LA Galaxy A has lot. won how many? <laughs> uh, three. And five. Wow. Yeah, five. Landon Donovan won yeah. three on his own. Yeah. Yeah, right. he went four on his own. So you gotta, you have to be perfect from this point out. <laughs> or we're dishing out the crack. Or you're dishing out the crack. <laughs> All right. This one, I, I'd say you got a 50-50 on it minimum, right? All right, shoot. In 2018, Julian Gressel's base salary was above or below $100,000. Below. Boom. That's right. 92,500 is his he really base. He does salary. need to make an appearance on Gresselmania. Yeah. His total <laughs> his total compensation was above that, but his base salary hey. was below. So mm-hmm. that means he performed. That's wow. why you don't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean as a soccer player, oh, yeah. of course. This Everyone else should go to college. <laughs> All right. Um, our new edition P.T. Martinez played for what club last year? River Plate. Boom. I moved the softball forward because there's a couple hard there. uh, Do we have any true false cushions? (laughs) We need them now. Multiple choice? (laughs) How many MLS teams were there during the inaugural season in 1996? You got the 24 correct that are entering this season, but how many were there back in 1996 when this whole thing kicked off? Not a lot. A dozen. Twelve. So close. There were ten. We'll give them that. I mean, come on, plus or minus. Yeah, plus or minus. (laughs) I'll even give... You know what? I'll give you that because you were within two, which is... For a fact-based question on ATL on fire, that sounds close enough to me. That's that's close (laughs) enough to me. And then... What team won the championship that inaugural season? Cosmos. Oh, I like the way you think, but they they were not a it's part. Not of even the an MLS team. It's not. No, it's yeah. NASL. Oh, but man. we had I the Metro like, Stars. I, 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 come on, 
It was uh, well, not. I was in the galaxy. No, no, no. But United. the Metro Stars was the, really? the New York team. DC but of course United. it was DC United. They won yeah. all the titles. Echeverry, Moreno. They had a yeah. phenomenal team. Come on. They also oh, had. Uh, I went too far easy. back. Take, Eddie I Pope. Know, I don't know the U.S. defender. I mean, they were loaded that that DC United team. To be fair, I think I would be at the same number of correct answers as you, Roberto. If that makes you feel any better. And they had Bruce well, Arena as yeah. the coach, who just came from Virginia to become the DC United coach in the inaugural season. I just have uh, 16 years. Also, to catch Chicago. Up Chicago won in their first ever season, although they were not an inaugural team. So I have a Chicago question here before I get to the most difficult question. Oh, did I just Ooh. answer the next question? <laughs> even Dave would not get the last Uh-oh. question correct. Um, but um, we can keep, if I don't get any of the questions. If you're like, I have no idea, we'll just punt it to Dave Uh-oh. to see if we can get it right. But this question I think you might be able to get. I don't know. What is the name of Chicago's Chicago Fire Stadium? And I'll give you the multiple choice. Toyota Park, Home Depot Center, Soldier Field, or Ford Field? It's Toyota. Which Boom. year were you talking, though? Now In their inaugural season, it was Soldier Field. Was oh! oh. <laughs> now We're it's Toyota yeah. Park, which is built is outside of Chicago. It's like 45 minutes I, outside of I Chicago. I didn't say back then. I said now. Uh, so, present tense. Come on. Show off. If you ever try yeah. to get there, man. <laughs> it takes forever. Now, I think you can get... The one side of this correct. I'm hopeful that you can, Roberto. But the other one, I would have had no clue. Um, Dave, I bet I give him a fifty-fifty. So I'd say there's Ooh. a seventy-five percent chance he'll get this one right. But I'm gonna kick it to you first. Name the two MLS MLS players that have won the MVP twice. There's only been two that have won MVP twice. Who was the? Who are the two players that have won MVP of MLS twice? I'm kicking that off the casters. One of them we just mentioned clearly. Who you got? Landon Donovan. Check. The other one I didn't even know who this was. So you might you could hopefully tell me who he is if you don't guess. Well, it. in the early years, um, uh, do do. I mean, it's got to be one of those early DC United players like Moreno or or Echeverry. So I don't know who this is, and I, because um, again, I went to Wikipedia for my questions here. <laughs> Dwayne de Rosario. Dwayne de Rosario in Canada. There you go. Yeah. So he was MVP of the, the league twice, wow. from what Wikipedia has okay. to say. That yeah. is our tenth and final question. Thanks for playing, Rob, and I am looking forward to the... I wouldn't have guessed that. ...adjustment. Um, All right. We are going to round this podcast out. It's been a good one. The fire is still rocking over here. Still burning. It's got some heat. Um, You can't see that, dear podcast listener, but he's not lying. (laughs) Roberto, I gave you a little bit of warning. I've figured this out for guests because, again, there's so much awesome that's happening with Atlanta United. But we got to ask you, what do you hate the most about Atlanta United? Yeah, we touched upon this earlier, so I'm going to have my my rant and my and my fears. Um, I hate the fact that they went away from the five stripes. <laughs> they mean the five, okay. um, seven, I like nine. it. That's Multiplied, multiplied by three. Right. <laughs> um, you know, when you had so much success from early on and the amount of effort that went into establishing tradition from the beginning for you to abandon that it, it that pisses me off to be honest with you all right you know if 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 again if you wanted to change it a little bit and keep the five stripes i don't know if you want to who knows you, you, there's there were a lot more options that you could have taken to maintain the identity of the five stripes. So for the first time in Atlanta United, they have done something to piss me off. And, um, <laughs> they and abandoned so, their so, whole... So congratulations. They abandoned their whole MO. One of the things that they did for the inaugural supporters is they asked the questions, do you want you know, a bird team like Atlanta always has, or do you want a classic you know, soccer kind of team name? They asked all these questions, and they got it right. 
right? They didn't, you know, do you want, you know, us to bring in an older player from Europe or do you want a young team? They, they asked all those questions and they surveyed the fan base and they all said, give us authenticity. Give us a real team that we can support. We don't want to see aged, you know, whoever, right? Real Atlanta? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the crazy thing is, I don't think they did that on the uniform. They could have gone to the fans and said, do you want to stay five stripes or not? You know, we're going to change the jersey, but do you want to stay five stripes? And I think the answer would have been five stripes, yes. right? That's the name, right? Let's go. You could have got both. You could have kept yeah. tradition and sold new jerseys. So again, but, I think it all has to do with Adidas, who's creates the uniforms and the whatever. Well, then let's give them the middle finger and go to Nike. Yeah, but Atlanta has the power, right? If yeah. they had gone to Adidas and been like, you yes. have to maintain five stripes. You're whatever. true. There you go. I love that. Um, that's my favorite hated <laughs> thing so far on the podcast. Thank you for bringing the hate, Roberto. Um, Fix that shit. Atlanta <laughs> United, if you're listening, remember to survey the fans. They'll treat you right. And with that, we're going to wrap this sucker up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, until next time, make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Tune in, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we're out there. Even on Google Assistant or Alexa, any pod, dial us up and follow us on Twitter at ATL on fire. On fire. Gentlemen, thank you. Ciao. Arriba del Chi. Woo.